Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field report. Man, we had a great field day. The weather was perfect, the crowd was big, and they were really into the day. As expected, we did ruffle a few feathers as we talked about nutrient regulation and the truths about carbon and cover crops. We had a great dialogue in cleaning up what some of the myths dealing with cover crops and what that difference between a financial ROI and each farm's true ROI when it comes to cover crops. We had great feedback in our discussion on what the limitations are for cover crops to clean up the nutrient loss. And to Janine and Katie's surprise, no farmers were wounded when we supplied them with hatchets to do infield root dissections. Out in the fields this week, we continue to monitor pollination. In some areas, we continue to spray for silk clipping. I've been receiving pictures from guys running ground rigs where the hood and the windshield are just covered with rootworm beetle. I've fielded several questions on why so many rootworm beetle this year, especially that northern beetle. And this is when our sticky traps last year indicated that we would have little or no pressure. Well, one thing we have to think about, the sticky traps are not an exact science. We're kind of still in the calibration process. This year we didn't have any timely rains to knock the rootworm population down, which we might have in other years when we're using the sticky traps. And we use sticky traps to catch beetle by accident. We don't lure them in with a, with a lure like we do for corn borer, for instance, or cutworm. The other thing is many fields are experiencing more and more northern rootworm beetle, the green beetle. Now this beetle has extended diapause, meaning the eggs that lay in the ground, they can be there for two years before they hatch, which those eggs that were in the ground and didn't hatch last year wouldn't show up on our traps. And we may have to think about this as we continue to build pressures here in Illinois with the northern. We may have to give that northern rootworm beetle on our sticky trap a value of 2 or 2.5 or something like that, meaning that we're not seeing the whole picture when we're just seeing this year's hatch coming out of there. Now beetles can move from neighboring fields, especially if they're pumpkins. Some of these pumpkin fields are having trouble this year with disease, so the beetles are moving early. You could have a farmer next to you has a blowout in his beetle population that could spread across. The biggest thing to look at when we have large amounts of rootworm beetle on non-traded corn is to look below ground. Do some digging and see if these are homegrown. How much damage did they do to your root system? And that's going to give you tips then on how you move forward. So my advice is do some root washes right now and identify if these beetles came from your field or moved in from a neighboring field. If you're seeing a lot of rootworm pressure and you're seeing a lot of damage on your root, whatever you're doing to manage the rootworm event, whether that's non-GMO or double pro or whatever, you're going to have to do something different for next year. Or if it's mainly northern beetle, you have to do something different from two years from now. This week we started to see some fields running out of nitrogen in those heavy rain areas. Right now it looks like our winter applied AMS, where we put a lot of anon as 
uh, ammonium sulfate up front and the fields that have a full meal deal weed and feed broadcast across them early spring so right now those are the fields that are starting to show the stress fields turning yellow at pollination will be hit hard so stay on top of that guys disease pressure is blowing up in a lot of places and in some uh, places now guys are waiting for planes almost two weeks and we can no longer wait for threshold and pull the trigger especially if we're dealing with northern corn leap light any sign of northern corn leap light pull the trigger and move it to the front of the list if you have to uh, get the corn sprayed first and do the beans second in your pecking order but get this disease under control in the corn several retailers have gone back out with ground equipment trying to close the time gap between the airplanes and uh, what's out there and they're up against a lot if your corn is short enough this may be a good option it may be the only option to get nitrogen on some of these fields that are running out airplanes are not going to stop in most cases to put urea on with all the fungicide they have to spray kind of feel for the ground applicators after four to five months of hard running they thought maybe they could put their feet up for a second and get a breather now they're getting called back out in the areas that receive those heavy downpours let's get out there and check the areas that tend to give you gully erosion so the boys don't find them by accident and we get ourselves in trouble any growers out there with high clearance rigs setting idle you may want to check with your retailers if you want to do some custom work because we've got a huge amount of ground to cover and the time is shrinking away last week literally went up in smoke many questions about how bad is the smoke hurting us and it was pretty much across the midwest i think we survived the smoke in corn pretty good i found only one field that might have blown a tip due to smoke i do think the smoke affected our soybeans though as i cut nodules all last week every field the nodules instead of being bright pink were more of a tan to light color now when i'm in your field and i find tan colored nodules i uh, and it's only your field i'm going to assume that we have some issues with your field maybe like a ph problem but when you see it across a lot of fields it's usually an indicator of what the last 48 hours or so was from a weather standpoint so if we get three or four cloudy miserable days you tend to see the nodules uh, turn back to that lighter tan and that's what i'm finding everywhere and because we didn't have cloudy days at this point i think i'm blaming it on the smoke meaning that we uh, held these beans up just a little bit from being able to produce produce all the nitrogen that they need while most pollination in corn went good we are seeing some spotty pollination issues a few to silk clipping but more to the extra long silks due to trying to pollinate in wet weather this week i in a field i measured silks nine inches long and pollination in that field was kind of spotty now losing individual kernels up and down the ear that's not a big deal uh, the other kernels will fill in but some fields are showing poor pollination uh, at the base and those were the first silks that came out 
And of course, they didn't get pollinated and they got covered up by the onslaught of silks that came after that. And it makes those harder to catch. So you'll see that bottom half inch or so of the ear with some poor pollination. Now you can't do anything about it right now uh, as far as you can't fix it. But it does help to know that as you're doing your yield calculations. Seeing more damage to early season wind than I expected. A number of these fields were blown down in one direction early July and a week later or so blown in the other direction. These fields have a lot of ununiform ears and are going to be a challenge to harvest. With plants, plants going in two directions, kind of knocks out that harvesting one way. If you're in this boat where you got corn going all different directions, it's probably time to round up a corn reel for those fields. I'm sure COVID's going to make them short as well as it makes everything else short to find, but they're going to want to break off at the gooseneck and it's going to be hard to feed them into the combine. So a reel there is not a bad idea to round one up uh, if you don't have one already. One other thing that I'm seeing is truncated beer can ears in several fields. Not a huge issue, but noticeable as we do our yield checks. This would indicate stress early. My first thought is frost, but some of this corn wasn't up when it was frosted. I'm not sure if it's a combination of wind and dry weather. It looks like it truncated before the wet conditions. Now most of it that we're finding with truncated beer can ears is early to mid-April planted corn. Not seeing it in the later May planted corn. For those of you that are coming to the Corn College event, all the session spotlights are up on our webpage if you want a more insight on what each session is about. The weather forecast looks phenomenal. Sunshine, low 80s, gotta love that. It'll be a very diverse crowd from all over the United States except Canada. It's a bummer you guys can't get into the country. You will be missed. Glad to see a lot of you are going to be joining us in the Corn College virtual event this January. Everybody up there need to stay safe. Everyone here is excited about the upcoming event, getting a chance to see everyone. The campus is in excellent shape. The outside classrooms are in great shape. Come ready to dig plants and learn how to dissect a root ball with a hatchet. If you haven't signed up already, it's a great break from the grind to meet people from all over the United States and learn something at the same time. Come ready to be challenged on what you thought you knew about cover crops. Looking forward to seeing you guys August 3rd and 4th. To stay up to date, check out our website at croptechinc.com and subscribe to our podcast, Boots in the Field Report. Keep her safe, keep her moving.